Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're going to talk about the family this morning, but listen, I want you to know, first of all, I'm so excited. I got to meet so many visitors. Thank you for being here. Welcome home. We hope you'll come back. And if you don't have kids, this is geared because the church, we're family. So please know that what I'm talking about, it's your home, but it's the church. It's what we strive to be because we want to be family for you. And I think the family's taken so much heat recently, and I've heard a lot of people say that the family's obsolete, it's out of date, and God created family. It says in Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. For this reason, a man will leave father and mother and be united to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. The family was God's idea. He thought it up. He thought the family, our families are fragile, they are a bit fragmented, but we can make a difference and make a change. You were made for relationship. Probably the meanest thing we can do to anybody is put them in solitary confinement. We are all made for relationship, and when COVID hit and so many people were isolated, it was not a good thing. And it's really sad to me because a lot of our young adults, people under 18, we have a higher rate right now of anxiety, and suicide and things that we've never had before because of how they are and how they relate to one another. So I want to share with you four things that I think will really make a difference in your family. Number one, the family is a shelter from storms. You know, a lot of people think that their family is just a tax deduction. They just think that they're roommates. Um, but the Bible says it's not just a bed and breakfast place. It's more than that. Our family... And when you come here to the church, it was created to be a shelter for you from the storms of life. That's our heartfelt prayer. We all have tough days. Life doesn't always go the way we anticipated or expected. We all get rained on. We have things that dump on us. And I speak over all of you that your family will be a place of protection. Say protection. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. Help me out. Protection. Good job. A, a place of peace, say peace. peace, and a refuge, say refuge. refuge. You guys are so good. And so you can find that your family will be a shelter from the storms of life. I'm from Montana, and when I lived in Montana, a lot of times it would pour. All of a sudden, the rain would pour, and the winds could get easily up to 40 miles an hour. And so if a storm hit, I would want to be under a big umbrella, of course, with the wind, you have to be careful because you're going to lose your umbrella. But I wanted protection. And I remember a lot of times when I was young that the bus would drop me off and I couldn't wait to get from outside into my house where it was safe and warm. We want to have that protection. We want it to be a positive environment. But what happens is if you're negative and critical and sometimes there's unforgiveness in a family. It is no longer a place of protection. And so the storms hit, and this is what you're under. Now, when storms of life hit and the rains fall, would you rather be under this umbrella or this umbrella? And then for some families, because I understand that some of you come from backgrounds where you were abandoned, you were abused, very, very difficult backgrounds. 
And so I know that some of you came from families. And this is what it looked like. But you know what, my precious friends? Today's the day that you can make a difference and change all of that. I had so much fun cutting up those umbrellas. So what are some of the, it says in Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. We want our homes to be a place of refuge. We want you, when you come to the cause, to feel like you're loved and accepted, that you'll want to be here. You never know what's going to happen here. I, I give a disclaimer, I never know what's going to happen. Hopefully when you come, you'll laugh. And when you leave, you'll be glad that you came. But there are storms that hit your family. Let me talk about those for just a moment. I think one of the first most obvious is change. You know, we've seen so much change in the world in the last couple of years. Change for people is not always easy. Things happen that we didn't really predict would happen. So we need to have stability, a base, and we need to have a place where it's predictable. The second thing that I think happens is failure. We can't all have everything go our way all the time. I've seen a lot of people that have lost their jobs. I've seen people that they've had to file bankruptcy. You know, there's been things that have happened. But my prayer for you is if you got passed up for a promotion or if something happened that's not great, that when you go home, that your family will provide just that encouragement, that safety, that it will be a great refuge for you. Failure is a lot easier to handle when you get hugs and there's somebody there who's a cheerleader for you. Are you a cheerleader for your friends and for your family? And then rejection. I think rejection is one of the most painful things that can happen. Listen, if I talk to each of you individually, I taught for years, I taught kindergarten and all ages, if I talked to you and said, tell me something that happened when you were younger that you remember that was really painful for you, you would probably all have a story. Yeah, somebody told me I have ears like Dumbo. Or yeah, my dad told me I'd never amount to anything. People can be so mean and so cruel. Rejection's really painful. We want our homes to be a protective shelter where it's a haven when, when somebody's in our home they know that they're protected, that we have their back, that we really value them. Kids can be so mean, but even adults can be mean. It's astonishing to me how some people talk. If they don't have your kids positive reinforcement in their home, then they're gonna believe what people are telling them. Where are they gonna get it? What words are you speaking over your family? Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, two people can resist an attack that would defeat one person alone. A rope made of three cords is hard to break. I pray over all of you that you'll provide a safe shelter at home. It's supposed to be a safe place, a place where you're protected from the storms. How do you do that? The first thing you do is hear. Hear means that you give somebody, not H-E-R-E, it's H-E-A-R, you hear with your ears. You have two ears and one mouth. You give somebody your undivided attention, not on your cell phone, not on your computer, and you've got to listen when somebody is hurting and not turn a deaf ear. You know, I love the story in the Bible about um, Joseph, and it talks about how Joseph was serving um, the king, and Potiphar in the Bible was like a secret service person for the king. 
And so literally, Potiphar, his job, his vocation was to watch what happened and make sure that there weren't people and things happening that would have done something that would have been destructive to the king. But the interesting thing is Joseph, around Potiphar's wife, she tried to seduce him. So this is a Reeve translation, but when I read that story, I think, I wonder if she tried to talk to her husband and said, Potiphar, I feel like you're just working so much lately. I feel like I'm invisible. I want you to spend more time with me. But he was so busy focusing on his work, he didn't realize the very thing that he did in protecting somebody, he didn't do that in his home. I just think that's really interesting. The second thing that's really important is hug and being affectionate. Now, when I say that, I always have somebody come up to me and say, Pastor Sherry, I am not the affectionate type. Good news, you can change. Good news. It's not like when you were born, the doctor pulled you out and said, affectionate baby, Sherry. Listen, Bob, my husband, his family was very affectionate. They would hug, they would kiss, they would say, I love you. They were very uplifting with their words. My family was very quiet. I don't remember my mom, she lived to be 88. I don't remember her, her ever saying to me, I love you. So after I met Bob and when we got married, and I don't remember my dad saying, I love you, I decided I wanted to be the affectionate type. So I lived down here in Southern California, and my folks lived in Northern California, and I talked to them on the phone and say, I love you, Mom. Quiet. Nothing. I love you, Dad. Okay, pumpkin. Now, my dad lived to be 90, and I think the last 15 years of his life, he finally started to say before I could say it, I love you, pumpkin. I don't remember my mom ever saying I love you, but she did say ditto a couple of times. Ditto. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they say, but I want people to know I love them. I don't have a problem, especially since Bob passed away. Even with our staff, I'll say to them, I love you. I want them to know I love them because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And I want to love them like the Lord would love them. And I think we all need to be loved. You can be affectionate. Okay, give him a hug. Good job. And the next thing is help. Are you willing to just help and support people around you? If you see a need, can you just help somebody in a practical way? We need to support and help one another. And then hope. Are you a beacon of hope to people around you? I want to be a beacon of hope. I want people to want to be around me because when they leave, they feel like their faith is built up and they're excited about their future and not discouraged. I don't want to criticize or judge. I want to build people up. I want to see people through the eyes of the Lord. I want to see people with his heart. Listen, I don't agree with everything everybody does, but I don't want to judge people by what they say, what they do. I'm called to love everybody. And I might not agree with things you're doing, but I'm still called to love everybody. Life is too short to walk with unforgiveness and to be critical and to be picking at other people. If we could just love one another, I'll start singing in a minute, so I better keep going. Let's give more strokes to people than we give pokes. Let's build them up and encourage them and not tear them down. Number two, the family is a learning center for life. In your family with your kids, I love now watching my grandkids, seeing them learn to walk, they learn to talk, they learn to eat. And I won't say which of my grandsons, but one of my grandsons was trying to teach me how to burp and sneeze 
Amos. And so he was just so excited that he could burp and sneeze at the same time. Grandma, you've just got to do it. It's so cool. And I, it didn't matter. I could not do burp and sneeze at the same time. I could barely burp. And he finally looked at me and goes, it's okay, Grandma, you're just old. <laughs> so family, we learn things in family that we wouldn't learn anywhere else. Psalms 144.12 says, now I know you're all thinking, how do you burp and sneeze? You can try it afterwards. I don't recommend doing it now. It says, then our sons and their youth will be like well-nurtured plants and our daughter will be like pillars because the Bible refers to the family as a garden. That means it's nurtured and taken care of. You want your kids to move from parent control to self-control to God control. What I mean by that is parent control is where you tell them what they need to do. Self-control is where they know what they need to do. God-control is where they ask God, what am I supposed to do? It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom, and that means he grew intellectually. He grew in stature, that's his physical development. He grew in favor, that's his spiritual development. And he grew in favor with man, that's his social development. Okay, I'm going to do a side side sidetrack for a moment. I want everybody to say, ouch. I've been really grieved recently because I've had several people say to me, you know, Pastor Cher, I'm raising my kids, but I'm just going to let them decide when they get old enough what they want to be and how, what they want to think and what religion they want to follow. Okay, that really grieves me. Let me tell you why. This is the Bible. This is the Word of God. It hasn't changed. It's not going to change. The world's going to change. You can hold stones. You can worship Mother Earth. You can worship whatever you want to worship, but there's one God, one Bible. This is the Word of God. This is the promises from the Word of God. I think if you do that with your kids, you're making a terrible mistake. One of my biggest concerns is I do not want to go to heaven I have this vision that I'm going to go to heaven, and somehow as I'm going to heaven, running to meet my heavenly Father, I'm going to see somebody I know, and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me? And they're not going to have eternity with God, and they won't know who God is, and they're going to have an eternity in hell. Boy, that's a pretty big price to pay. Teach your kids the word of God, but you need to model what you're teaching them. If they don't want to come to church, tell them to come to church. You are the parent. I just, it's such a mistake, my precious friends. I'm just telling you. You know, and Bob and I, the one thing that we did is we wanted our kids to love the Word of God. We wanted them to delight in who God is. We wanted them to learn the Word of God and live the Word of God. The way that we did that, we loved the Word of God. We lived the word of God. We were not perfect. My kids will be the first ones to tell you we were not perfect. But we tried to love and live the word of God, and we wanted them to learn it. And I think they caught it, and it wasn't taught. And church, they didn't have the option to not go to church. Church, they would go to, period. Or find another home. Sorry, I'll miss you, but drop me a note and let me know where you are. Sorry. Okay. I'm just saying, think about what you're teaching your kids. If you don't teach them, here's the bottom line. When I was praying this morning, and this is a word from God, if you do not teach your kids, this is my teacher finger, which Bob used to tell me, don't give me your teacher finger. 
If you don't teach them, somebody else will. And who knows what they're going to get. Okay. All right. Now you can all relax. We learn about relationships in our family. Life is about relationships. Our happiness to a large degree is determined by how we're getting along with other people. If you can't get along with other people, you're going to be miserable in life. And we need to teach our kids how to relate to others in a healthy way. And that means that we teach them to not be judgmental. We teach them values and what's right and wrong. But we teach them how to forgive. We teach them how to be kind and watch the words that they speak. We learn, learn character in our family. And I think character is more caught than it's taught. I think our kids really model what we're doing. If you say one thing and you do another, it's to no avail. And I want to talk for just a moment about kindness. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I think if we implemented this verse in our lives and in our relationships, the world would be a more loving place. I honestly believe if we were kind to one another, there would be less divorces. I believe if we were kind to one another, that families would be reconciled and they'd get along. Kindness, my precious friends, is love in action. You need to be sensitive. You need to tune in. It says in Philippians 2.4, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That means that you're aware. If you care, you're aware of what's going on around you. It means that you place value, that you honor with your undivided attention people around you. If I was to ask you, what's the greatest need of your closest friend or somebody in your family, could you tell me? We need to be supportive. Do your words bring life and encouragement? Do they build up those around you, or do you destroy people with your words? It's always startling to me to see how somebody can get in an argument, and in five minutes, they can destroy 10 years of a relationship. You cannot take your words back. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. A broken bone will heal faster than a broken spirit. Do you encourage people, or do you discourage them? Do you nag people, or do you brag about them? If I gave you a dollar for the next 30 days for every kind word you said, but if you said something negative, critical, or discouraging, if I took a dollar away from you, would you come out ahead or would you be in the hole? What words of life are you speaking to your family and people around you? Be sympathetic. Pastor John's talked about that, that it's okay if we're emotional. If somebody's weeping, it's okay to weep with them. You don't have to give them an answer why things happen. Just be there for them. I care for you. I'm praying for you. Romans 12, 15 says, when others are happy, be happy with them. And if they're sad, share your sorrows with them. And then I think one of the things that we miss the most in kindness is be spontaneous. Listen, kindness takes time. How often do you think, oh, I was just thinking about Sue. I should text her and see how she's doing. And then you don't do it. How often does somebody do something for you and you don't say thank you? Or how often do you go somewhere and you see a homeless person who looks like they're thirsty or hungry and you think, oh, I probably should ask them because there's a McDonald's here if I can feed them, but you don't do that. I've learned in life to be spontaneous. Close doesn't work on kindness because it doesn't happen if you're close to around. It means now, and it isn't always convenient. Do it now. 
Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Opportunity. I was gone a week ago. I was in Carlsbad. I was with some of my friends. We went to dinner. We were sitting outside. We were having fish and chips, a really nice dinner. And I looked, and I saw a young man. Makes me want to cry. And he looked so tattered and weathered. He looked so rough. His face was all pilly, bloody, from just sunburn and peeling. I mean, you could just tell that, the, that life living out on the streets had really beat him up. So I was looking at him, and they were all talking, and I got very distracted. I wasn't listening to my friends. And I thought, I should ask him if he's hungry. Because we were right by the place where we got food. It was outdoors. You stood, got your food, and sat down. And then I thought, oh, I'm with my friends. It's not convenient. And then I thought, he looks really hungry. So I said to my friends, excuse me, I'll be right back. I got up, I went over, and I said, hi. I said, are you hungry? And he looked at me, he said, I'm so hungry. Okay, can I get you something to eat? Oh, I'm so hungry, that'd be great. Okay, what do you want? I don't know, I'm just so hungry. So then I said, well, they have this and this, and they have soup, and he said, soup, I'm so cold. So I bought him soup and bread and bought him something to eat. So then I went and took him the food, and I set it down by him, and I gave it to him, and I said, here, I hope you have a good dinner. And I went and sat back down, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go sit with him. So I went back over, and I sat on the other side, and he was really messy eating. I said, hi, can I talk to you for a minute? You want to talk to me? He said, tell me your name, Eric. Hi, Eric, where are you from? And he started to talk to me, so I talked to him, and then finally I said, Eric, I need to go join my friends. We're going to go now. It's been so nice to meet you and to, to be able to sit with you. And he looked at me, and he goes, nobody ever talks to me. Listen, spontaneous. You feel awkward. You don't know what people are going to do, how they're going to be. He could have yelled at me and been really rude. Spontaneous. Do you realize that you're going to be the only Bible that some people are ever going to see? And then finally, we learn values in our family which is what I talked about, values. I believe in the word of God. You know, Bob was really good when my kids were being raised about, he wouldn't say, well, we don't do this. The Bible says, Bob would go, we're Reeves, we don't do that. Values. If you leave it to chance, then that means whoever you're around, your kids, they're gonna pick up values from who knows who. We need to teach values. And part of values is letting our kids and our grandkids know, you're important to me. One of my biggest goals in life is since my husband passed away, I want to live each day to the fullest. I want to smile. I want to get my sense of humor back. I miss that Bob doesn't wake me up at night laughing. He would wake me up laughing in his sleep. But I want to keep going. He would. I didn't worry about snoring. He would just laugh. He always had a party in his head. But I want to pass... I want to pass on blessings to my kids and my grandkids with the, de the decisions I'm making. I want life to go on. The song that we sang, I know, give it up to the Lord. My precious friends, you have the capacity to pass blessings to thousands of generations, thousands of generations. Is it easy? Nope. 
Is it convenient? Nope. Do you want to give up sometimes? Yep. My dog, my puppy Gracie, who's 16 months, she got really sick and woke me up about every hour last night. I had a meltdown. I was going outside and it was drizzly and I was you know, trying to keep her on the leash because we have coyotes. And I finally had a meltdown and looked at her and said, what is wrong with you? And then I realized she's sick. And I thought, well, that wasn't very nice. And I was glad I didn't have a child or a grandchild that I was yelling at. What is wrong with you? But you know we hit the wall sometimes, right? So then I went back, and I know she's just a dog. Listen, I get it. But I went back, Gracie, I'm really sorry. I know you don't feel well. I'm really, really sorry. You're a good girl. And then I prayed for her. God, please make her feel better where she'll sleep for a couple of hours and not get sick. Some of us need to learn to say I'm sorry in our families. So I speak over all of you that you will be a shelter of protection, that in your relationships people will be drawn to you because you're a beacon of hope and peace. And I speak over some of you that I know you've come from really difficult families. My dad came from a very abusive family. And so my dad actually probably came from this or even this because there was violence in his home. And he made the decision, nope, not going to do that. I'm going to, if I ever get upset with my kids, and believe me, I gave them a lot to be upset about. I was grounded at the age of eight till I was 42, probably still grounded. He made the decision to put a table in between us and not come near me or lay a hand on me. You can be a shelter. You can make the choice. God will make the change. You know, I'm so excited. I get to welcome up my beautiful, talented daughter, Shannon. Give her a hand. Don't get nervous. We're still going to end on time. I'm like the fastest gunslinger in the West. I'm just kidding. And there's, uh, there's coffee outside, specialty drinks for all the ladies. So don't forget to pick one up. Okay, so Pastor Sherry talked about the family being a shelter from storms, a learning center for life. And I want to say that the third reason God created the family is for a place to play. So God meant for the family to be a comfortable place where you can relax and have fun in life. My grandma, Pat, who uh, a lot of you know, was my dad's mom, she would turn on comedy tapes, and this is 60 years ago, so I don't know what media method it was, but she told me she did it, and I believe her. <laughs> but that's one of the things she did, just to create an atmosphere of laughter in the home, to create an atmosphere where it was okay to have fun and laugh together, and that's something we did with our family growing up, too. I mean, my dad and I would quote uh, Jim Gaffigan, you name it. We, we, would, we would laugh with each other and make fun of each other and quote all the things. That's something, you know, you create an atmosphere that's fun for your family. Personally, I think that if you want your house to be a shelter, if you're not able to come home and have fun with each other and play together, it's not safe. You know, that's not a safe space. Kids, Kids like to try and make you laugh. And kids are funny. <laughs> and they, I mean, I'm having the hardest time. My son, Drayson, is six, and he does some funny stuff. And it is so hard not to laugh at him when it's bad things. <laughs> and to be honest, I'm not doing a good job with it. So if he says crazy things, I just, um, yeah, I'm sorry. He gets it from me. I don't know. Um, one statistic says that kids laugh 300 times a day, but adults only laugh 17 times a day. So think about that. 
In fact, Drayson has been giving my, myself and my husband some great marriage advice recently. I'm not really sure why or where it comes from, but I wrote it down because, you know, it's funny. He said, rules for getting married. Number one, don't fight. Okay. And then he said, I said, okay, what's number two? He said, don't fight. And then he imitated punching. I was like, yeah, that's a pretty good rule. And then I said, okay, anything else? And he said, number three, if you don't get married, you won't be together. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Sure. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 5.18 that, so be happy with your wife and find joy in the girl you married. And that whole chapter just talks about being faithful to the one you've committed to. And that's true. And be happy with them, you know, if, if you can. Obviously, Drayson's never been married, but our kids watch us and they're sensitive to how we relate to each other. You know, even if you're a single mom, single dad, they see everything. You know, they see your relationships. They see how you respond and how you react. You only have your kids for a season. Do you enjoy them or do you just endure them? Do you party with them or just put up with them? I wanna encourage you to celebrate your family this week. Like Pastor Sherry said, do something spontaneous, do something silly. Psalms 127.3 says, children are a gift from the Lord, they are a reward from him. And my son Drayson, he's six now, but when he was three years old, he was diagnosed with leukemia, which I think a lot of you guys know, and he's fully done with treatment, his port's out, and he got to ring the bell this past Wednesday, which, yeah, which is pretty awesome. So I actually took a video of it. That's a signal that he's done with chemo. And if you'd like, it's not, it's not a good video quality, but the content is good. If you'd like to watch that with me. Congratulations, you're our hero. Yay! And it's got the choco bear. Do you want me to read this one for you? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read it. Okay, ready? It says, ring this bell three times well. It's told to clearly say, my treatment's done, this course is run, and I'm on my way. Yes, three times. <laughs> 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 
happy cry every time. And to be honest, with the grief journey that we've been on, I wasn't ready to do that. Dracen could have done that like six months ago. But I was sitting in church last week and I felt very clearly the Lord told me, you know, it's time, let's, let's celebrate this. And what a great victory to celebrate. So thank you. And thank you to our, that's something we celebrate not with, not only with my family, but with the church family. So I appreciate you guys having a celebration with us. The fourth purpose of a family is to be a launch pad for ministry. And I think the family is a launch pad for everything. You know, we have an opportunity to either be like a trampoline, a jet fuel, or to kind of make things more difficult for our family. But we can always overcome difficulties, and you can always set your family up for success, even if you feel like you weren't set up for success. One of the things I think that's amazing, you know, about what my parents did my parents, all three of their kids are, are in ministry, myself, Pastor John, and Pastor Josh. And I don't think that's a mistake, you know, like Pastor Sherry is talking about. It's because one, they loved God. Two, they loved us and they showed us that. And then three, they loved the church, but uh, they never made us feel like um, their job was more important. And that's, you know, no matter what your job is, your first job, if you have kids, you know, whatever your family looks like, is to be a good parent to them. And yes, of course, most of us have to work. I work full time too. But when you're with your family, be intentional. You know, make, your, make God the first priority, make your family the second. One of um, the verses in the, fa- uh, in the Bible is Acts 16.34. It says, the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. And what a joy that is to have your whole family know the Lord. You know, there's no greater gift that you can give to your family than to be, you know, in love with the Lord and modeling that to them as a parent, as a spouse, as a brother, as a sister. Expose your children to godly people. The church is a great launching pad for people too. Some of you might not have that with your family. You might not have the great support your family might not be around. You can come here and get connected to people who are gonna encourage you, they're gonna motivate you, they're gonna cheer you on. When it, things are hard, when you're in the hospital, they're gonna pray with you, they're gonna bring you dinner. That's what the church is for, that's what this, this family is for. As Pastor Sherry was talking about, the, fra- the family and the fragmentation of the family is causing enormous problems in our society today. There's a 700% increase of juvenile violent crimes. Teenage suicide has quadrupled. Eating disorders are soaring. It says that the current generation of children and youth is the first in our nation's history to be less well-off psychologically, socially, economically, and morally than their parents were, were at the same age. And this study that talks about it blames the shift in the shift away from values in the institution of marriage and family to the values, they're shifting from that to the values of individualism, choice, and personal liberty. So in other words, selfishness and stubbornness are killing your family. So I've gotta do what's best for me. That's, That's just not helping, you know? Be mindful, take care of yourself, and then 
You know, like it says right here, Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So do your best. Have you said that? Have you made a public statement? Have you made a commitment in your family that you're gonna serve the Lord no matter what happens? I challenge you to do that. And the Bible says that the church is a family. So if you don't have that, you, ha you can find that here, you know? The church is supposed to be helpers to the orphans and the widows, to everyone. So the cause church is or strives to be, one, a shelter from storms, two, a learning center for life, three, a place to play, and four, a launch pad for ministry. So as we close, let me ask you, what kind of shelter is your family? You can go from this tattered, no shelter, to being this for your family. Even if you make the change today, you can do that. What kind of learning is happening at your home, intentionally or unintentionally? Are you modeling good relational skills like honesty, vulnerability, and forgiveness? Is your family fun? <laughs> do you make time to have fun with your family? Would you commit to making your home a launching pad for ministry? Would you pray, God, use our home and our house for your goodness, for your kingdom? So today I just wanna pray because I know, you know, it's Mother's Day and some of you might be in different stages of life. You might come from a broken home. You might be yearning to be a mom yourself and today's just a reminder of not being that. But God is with you, no matter where you are. If you're missing your mom, you never had a good relationship with her, God is with you and he can heal the brokenness that we have in our lives. So I'd like to invite you to close your eyes just for a gift of privacy to your neighbor. And if there's some, something that's going on in your family that, that you really need prayer for, and maybe it's even you know, slightly embarrassing to raise your hand because you don't want you know, whoever is next to you to know. But I encourage you to just lift up your hand and let me agree with you in prayer for God to heal some of the things that are broken in your life. So if there's anything that you need prayer and we're just, eyes are closed, but let me agree with you right now. God, I just thank you for who you are, God. I thank you that you see every hand that's raised. God, every hurt, every tear that's been shed, every um, feeling of lack or missing or brokenness, God, you see that, God, and you are here for us, God. You are with us. You provide peace, God. I pray for moms who are struggling, single moms, even single dads today who are just doing their best, God. For ladies who've yearned to be a mom, for ladies who miss their mom or just uh, resent the fact that their mom didn't provide shelter for them, God. I pray that you would heal their heart, God, that you would bind up those broken places. God, that you would do what only you can do in Jesus' name. And just one more thing before we close, I wanna invite you to come to know Jesus. So maybe you're here because you know, your mom dragged you here and you don't, you don't know Jesus or you feel like you've turned away from him and you feel like you're out with no shelter from the storms of life. God is with you and he loves you. He 
died on the cross just for you. If there was no one else, he would still do it just to be with you. So I wanna uh, give you the invitation to come to know him today. And again, if you would bow your heads. If there's anyone in here who maybe doesn't know Jesus, never accepted him to your heart, or maybe just needs to make a change, needs to make a choice to make a change, to put him first, I ask you right now that you would just raise your hand so that again, I can agree with you in this. Right now, if there's anyone in here who doesn't know the Lord or wants to come into relationship with Him again. Thank you. Yeah, God is so good. He's always here, even if you're at home and you need to make that decision. He sees you and He knows you. I see that. Amen, I see that. God knows you and He loves you. He's, he's here for you. God is a provider and a strong, strong shelter, no matter what the storm is. And I agree with you, sir. So let me just pray. God, I thank you for this decision today. God, I thank you that you know us and you love us. God, that you're our savior and we admit that we're a sinner, God. God, I pray that you would come into our life and change us, God. Help us to know you and know, know your word and love you. And I pray that uh, we would know you as a refuge from the storm, as a place for play, as a launch pad to be a helper to us and just to help us learn from you, God. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.